faces from lunchtime to breakfast. The sphere is infectious, but savory that's precious. What else would you expect? Welcome to Friday Night Lives. Hi everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Friday Night Lives, a podcast dedicated to reviewing every single episode of Friday Night Lights. I'm Bree. I'm Jeff. And we'll be talking with each other about each episode of the show. I've been told it's legendary, which is why I've been coerced into watching the show with my neighbor, Jeff. So just so you know a little bit about us, we are neighbors in Brooklyn, but we didn't know each other until probably about a year ago when I moved into your neighborhood. But we went to college together. But we went to college together. So we went to Northwestern, which I feel like we should just get out of the way now because we'll hint at it a lot as we talk, I'm sure. Because but we're obnoxious. We, no, I'm kidding. We, I'm are, uh, we are completely obnoxious, um, as you'll learn when you listen to us talk incessantly to each other. And Jeff and I found that we talked together a lot about pop culture, even though we didn't know each other that well, and that every weekend we would get together to talk about things that we had heard or listened to or movies that we'd watched in the past week and just wanted to get each other's feedback on the things that we've watched and recommend things to each other. And what happened recently is that Jeff has been binge watching Friday Night Lights on Netflix and he's probably in the third season I now. Just started season three. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a ride guys. <laughs> um, so he's in the third season and when we would have our weekly debriefs of just getting coffee and whatever we were doing on the weekends, Whenever we were not being young twenty somethings going out to the club, we the club, the club um, a place that I have never been in my life. He would be talking to me about Friday Night Lights, which he could not convince me to watch. It is kind of my only talking point at this point. I don't feel like I have much else to offer the world because I've gone so deep so fast. But you binge watch with dedication. You don't really take let things take breaks, which I really admire that about you. I kind of you know I've been. I have four episodes left of Freaks and Geeks, and they've been sitting there for a few months. Wow. And I've been watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for, like, five years. That kind of pains me a little um, bit. But, yeah. yeah, I'm a little aggressive in my binge-watching and then aggressive in making other people watch what I'm binge-watching. Mm-hmm. So that's why I feel like I slowly coaxed Brie into this. Although it's only been a few weeks, so, it's you know. All, yeah. It's only been a few weeks. Won you over quickly. He won me over quickly, mostly because he kept asking me, is this what football life is really like in Texas? And I decided to just watch the show with him because I was honestly so annoyed. (laughs) So now I'm watching the show with him so I can give him exact points of comparison for whether things are like Texas. I am a Texpat, which is an expat that originally helmed from Texas. I grew up in the North Texas area for all of my life, but I moved around so many times. Um, So I have a really strange experience of being... I had lived in a rural town of about 800 people for part of my life where they have six-man football, which if you haven't heard of it, I'm not surprised. Which I hadn't heard about it until two days ago. Right. I grew up in a very small town too, but not apparently big enough to... how many people? 20,000 people. Okay, 20,000 versus (laughs) 800. They can feel the 50-man football squad. Right, definitely. So this is six-man football, which is usually what really, really small towns have because that's only how many football (laughs) players they have. Do they play every... Well, I guess there's only six positions them, but I'm thinking like that must change the game. Yeah, it definitely changes it a lot. I, I was looking it up on Wikipedia. They don't play with the full 100 yard field. I think it's 80 yards instead. 
And I'm sure as we get like more into football, I can give more details on that. But yeah, so it's a smaller football team. So part of my life, I had the six-man football. And then part of my life, I lived in a town that had a pretty good football team for my high school years in that it, it was a full football team. But they, they With a crazy stadium. With- Bree showed me photos of the stadium today, and I'm sad that you can't see this through the airwaves. But I looked at it and thought like, oh, am I looking at the Cowboy Stadium? Like, it was insane. There's like this enormous, I don't think it was a jumbotron, but it was just like this like large welcome sign. And then I showed her this uh, pathetic high school field. Although I shall say the high school that I went to in suburban Massachusetts had a turf field, which is swanky, I think. But it did have... It's weird to me that you define that as swanky because who doesn't have a turf field? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we we had grass for a while, but then... I also showed her the extent to our stands. I didn't remember this, but our stands go from like the 30-yard line to maybe the 30-yard line on each on each side, and they're really only on one side on the home side. And there were there just aren't substantial seating, and it's not a problem. There's never competition for seats. It was just not the football culture that was present in your Texas upbringing. Right. And so I had that where my the practice field for my high school team <laughs> was, was larger than the football field that my football team in high school played on for sure yeah definitely and that's the practice field that they never had games at which is just interesting to me because people would come and they would sometimes watch them practice and then we shared our high school football field with the whole district so that there were three high schools that shared a football field so that we could have a better football field for everyone and then part of my experience is that my stepbrother played on a huge texas football team for a huge texas football town and they won state championships that I attended, and you had to buy football tickets in advance of the games because they would sell out. So wow. I feel like, as someone to talk about Texas football, I have a really wide range of Texas football experiences. So I'm sure I will frequently mention those. You, Jeff's hinted you at You do. His, so. Yeah, I have a very different football <laughs> experience. I have a twin brother who played football starting, I believe, in second grade, maybe third grade. So we called that Pop Warner. I guess it's called Pee Wee everywhere else in the world. But basically, I would be, I don't know, I would say dragged along. My parents would have some nicer words to use. But every Saturday, they played a game, and it was in other suburbs. So it would be our town against that town in that age range. Or also, I think it has to do with weight when you're in Pop Warner. Anyway, so I would go, and they would have a practice, I think, before the game every week. So you'd get there really early. And I remember just, like, going on these, like, actually really lovely walks with my mom. But, like, that would be her way of, like, coaxing me and then eventually convince her to, like, buy me a coffee or some scone or something. And mind you, I'm eight years old and drinking coffee and eating scones. And then come high school, we didn't have... I I actually... I couldn't even tell you if they were a good team or not. I think that at the beginning of high school, if I'm remembering correctly, they weren't very good. And then by the end of my high school career career. That's such a weird term for high school. But anyways, by time in high school, they were decent, like at least 500, I think. Maybe, I don't know how many games are in a season, eight or nine for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are more. Close to 10, I think. 10, okay. No, I mean, but it might be eight or nine. Maybe it's yeah. eight or nine in Boston because right. they don't have enough fans to show up. <laughs> anyways, so I would go to one game a year and that would be the Thanksgiving game. And Which that I'm was... sure you didn't hear, but I just guessed <laughs> yeah. that he would go to one game when there his was... brother played football. I know. And I've actually been working through this that right now that like when I like really thought about this recently, I feel like guilty about the fact that I didn't show up more. I will say that I 
was supportive of him being a football player, but I guess I wasn't supportive in that way. I mean, it's so sad he would like come and see the shows. I was in, really involved in theater, and he would come and see those shows. But a show is only like once every three or four months, mm-hmm. right? So I kind of did that. I did like the once every season. But then I went to Northwestern, and I ended up going to like every home game. And there was a bit of a tension, I will say, when when my brother, he was surprised because I never showed up for high school football games. I think it was because there wasn't a draw. Like literally, oh, I can't even think of friends of mine who would have gone to a, a football game. It was really mostly parents, I think, and maybe younger football players in like the middle school and like elementary school levels. So it was a very different experience. Whereas I did the inverse and I went to one football game during my college experience. And when my friends would ask me to go, I would be, I would say things like, no, I've already lived that life. I don't really want it, which is kind of how I felt about watching Friday Night Lights as well. So I I would go to football games quite frequently in high school, but I would bring a book because I was trying to be too good for it. Thank goodness the show doesn't really talk about football that much. And it's all about emotions and feelings. But yeah, do we have some other things that we want to talk about yeah, the podcast before we, we dive into the pilot episode? ground rules to go over. So just some things for you guys to know before you get so invested in this podcast, because we know you're going to get invested. The first thing is that we're going to make sure none of these are longer than 40 minutes, which is basically an episode of Friday Night Lights on Netflix, because we can't, we shouldn't be talking longer than an episode, although we could, we definitely could. The other thing, we're going to release one week on Fridays, as the name of the show, Friday Night Lives, would suggest. We are not going to have any spoilers, or try as hard as possible not to have any spoilers. Brie will be great at not spoiling things because she is watching the show with you. I have this bizarre perspective, because I'm like halfway through the show right now in my own personal watching, but... I will make sure to not spoil anything going forward for you. We also have some sirens going on in the background. And then uh, a few other things. We have lots of ideas for segments. Um, You'll see those more in future episodes. Today is kind of just going to be a big old debrief. One of them is going to be Tammyisms, as in Tammy Taylor, Coach Taylor's wife. She is one of those... She plays a character who is this Southern woman that has such, like, sage-wise advice. But upon reflection maybe is not as sage as you think it is a great example is she said there's no weakness in forgiveness and that stuck with me like many weeks later it's just such a great turn of phrase but anyways we'll have that the other thing that we should mention i don't think we've been explicit at this point yet but we don't have great filters so this may be an explicitly marked podcast it would only be for reasons of us dropping an f-bomb here accidentally i don't think we're going to talk about explicit topics but just just in case right well from seeing it i don't think the show gets explicit does from your three episodes three Three seasons seasons. (laughs) experience what have you seen there um it doesn't get like more explicit than any other network television um drama but i will say this is fun fact of me my other favorite pastime besides watching friday night lights is watching interviews with people, actors that I somehow get obsessed with. Connie Britton has been a recent obsession, so I deep-dived on all of her interviews. And in one of them, she mentions that there was, in the second episode, or maybe it was second episode, something very early on in the first season, there was a sex scene written between her and Coach Taylor. And it was so awkward for him, apparently. I mean, she might be just be throwing him under the bus. 
but that they cut it and never wrote a sex scene for them again. So there will never be a Coach Taylor, Tammy Taylor sex scene. But there are, I mean, it's high school. Hormones are raging. Things happen. But yeah, it's pretty wholesome in general as a show. Right. So we'll try not to make it go too into the explicit territory. But as Jeff said, sometimes we can't be tamed. You've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so I think those are our ground rules. Yeah, that we so now have. I gotta get into the pilot. Get into the pilot. So, I think we should first just talk about our general impressions of the entire episode. Yeah. And then, as we're trying to figure out what segments we're going to do, we'll be testing some things in the future. But for now, we're just going to go chronologically about our feelings of the, mm-hmm. the episode. Um, because we have a lot of feelings forever. So many feelings. Um, that's just how we live. Yeah. Our Friday night lives. Yeah. I'm so sorry I said that. <laughs> it um, felt so right, though. No, Maybe I'm like a new Tammy Taylor. <laughs> so anyways, general impressions of this episode are that... So I... While I haven't watched Friday Night Lights, I feel like I'm going to mess up Friday Night Lights and Friday Night Lives. Oh, yeah. It's very often. So maybe... Sorry. <laughs> sorry about it. Um, but... I have watched the pilot twice before trying to watch this show because so many of my my fellow human beings have recommended it to me because I'm a huge Parenthood fan. And so there's some overlap between the writing team for Parenthood and the writing team for Friday Night Lights. I really loved Parenthood because it just gave me a lot of emotions that I needed to feel. Uh, yes. Especially when I had moved to a new city and didn't have any family or loved ones. It really was a pseudo TV family that I could relate to. Yeah, surrogate family for sure. Oh, I love them. Oh. Anyways, <laughs> I'm, you know, sad that I can't spend any more time with them. I mean, you could rewatch. I've actually actively considered. I, I might. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell us if you want a Parenthood podcast yeah. more than a Friday Night Lights <laughs> podcast because I would lovely, I, I would love to do it so much that I can't even speak straight so people have recommended Friday Night Lights to me and you know I've watched it twice trying to give it an opportunity but honestly it was just too close to my high school experience for me to watch because I I just didn't it was too real but this time I watched it for real and you know I still felt that way I still so now you're like five years out of high school, six years out of high school, right? Yeah, I'm a little more removed, so it's not my everyday. So do you feel like that distance was necessary? I feel like it was necessary. So I did, I, so I watched the pilot when it very first aired, um, being from Texas. I had friends who were in the pilot actually in the crowd scenes, um, because they were just, I mean, they filmed most of it in Texas. So I watched the pilot when it actually aired and I was just like, oh, more football, why? And then I watched it while I was in college, right when I had binged everything that was available at Parenthood at the time. And then I was just, I didn't want to spend my time watching football. And now that I'm doing this with Jeff, the pilot still felt honestly a little too sports heavy for me Hmm. to really enjoy. And I mean, and it's also not nearly as interesting to me because it is very similar to the high school life I had. So as we get closer to these characters, I think I will think of it more positively but yeah. for now I still am very lukewarm yeah responding to that and this I promise is no spoilers but I do agree that the first episode is very sports heavy and that future episodes tend to not be as centered around the game like from the beginning of this episode it opens with which I thought was so brilliant talk radio and them talking about the game on Friday night and it's Monday and they're like it's Monday folks you know that means that there's only four days until our Friday night lights or I mean they might not have said Friday night lights then but 
that whole point, which was so impactful for me, partially because I've grown up around that um, talk radio culture, but in relation to professional sports teams in Boston is insane they i mean anytime you turn on this station weei they will be talking about the red sox or the patriots or bruins or whatever new england revolution the soccer team no one talks (laughs) about the soccer team actually but they'll be like really going at it in a way that that felt very like there was a touchstone there for me but i do in a weird way as much as you feel that this is too real like that is so great and heartening for me to hear because I just feel like I want this to be an authentic experience for me and I don't want this to be just Hollywood's version of Texas football so to hear that it was felt felt almost too real to you is actually exciting to me because it's something that one I have never lived two I don't really know if I want to live that but I do have a follow-up question for you about Mm -hmm. so does it do towns really close down in that way So, I mean, it really depends on the town, right? So when I lived in the rural town, everyone came out to watch these six boys play football, which is just so bizarre to me. But people would go out. People who were several generations removed from being a student in the school district, they would come out. And that because it was a town of 800 people, I would really say everyone who was anyone was there who had any sort of social life. And then... The town that I went to high school in, since we didn't have a, like, phenomenal team, we just had an okay team, I wouldn't say it shut down, but you definitely avoided the area of town where the football game was, because Mm. that was at least 40 minutes of driving traffic for no reason other than there was a football game there. I would say if if I had been in a smaller town that was more smaller than the town I went to high school in, bigger than the rural town, I think this would very much be what it felt like it, it does shut down everyone talks about the football game you know yeah my joke is that it would be the best time to rob someone's house everyone is gone businesses are closed like you see there's that kind of uh, at some point I think in this episode or it could have been another where just the businesses they're turning their signs from open to closed and everyone is just getting together and there's something beautiful about that where people mm-hmm. have this reason to come together and get excited about something but it does kind of scare me a little bit And I also was fascinated, we've talked about this a little briefly beforehand, but the whole idea of lawn signs with the names and numbers of individual players, that definitely did not happen where I grew up. I mean, even for like peewee leagues, there wasn't, you didn't have... No, I I think think that's even weirder. Either Jeff or me being confused that the other person doesn't share an experience that they had. Yeah, so this is a thing you would you would mark your territory with what athletics thing you were associated with. Honestly, to the point that it became slightly problematic for people who were picking up children they weren't supposed to be picking up because they would know exactly where they lived and their names. Oh my gosh. Yes, and so I really hope that they're on their way out, but that is a thing where you definitely mark where people live, you show your support. Another thing is, is these signs are another booster. You had to pay for the signs, the money went back to the booster yeah. club. So, but in, so I guess in the South, people are just more likely to pay for these things because they want to be supporting their local team. Yeah, I just was so fascinated by that. The whole, as you're saying, marking your territory, my one... This is a bit of a non sequitur, but the one thing that ever happened on my home turf, if we're going to call your your home, your home turf, was that my brother was in this football team all throughout high school. He was a captain at the end of high school, I think at least senior year, if not maybe junior year too. He He could fact check that. He, one time, right when my parents had put our house on the market, they teepeed it. 
And we didn't really have any trees in the front yard, so they teepeed by just rolling toilet paper across our lawn, and then it proceeded to rain, which was, like, the biggest nightmare ever. And my dad was livid in the most hilarious way for me because I didn't have to clean it up. I just watched from afar. But it was, like, 2 a.m. My dad realized that there was a lot of wet toilet paper on our front lawn. So that's my one experience with getting marked. We were, we were known, but otherwise you could really fly under the radar. Which also just the fact that you would toilet paper someone's house right when it rains is really against procedure. I say this as someone who's <laughs> toilet papered many a house for athletic reasons. And Wait, you, what athletic reasons? You toilet like you toilet What teams papered, were you on? I was not on a team. So it, the cheerleaders are who toilet papered. It's right, not in my, other football. Yeah. Okay, so I, at one point in my life, was on a drill team and a cheerleading squad. This isn't... Any of my friends who listen to this are going to be super shocked by this because I don't go, I, I just don't talk about it. <laughs> You're a little nervous talking about it right now. I, I feel. am a little nervous talking like, about it. It's like I a part like, of your character you don't want to be open to the world, I, but that's fine. You know, that's what these Friday Night Lives are about, yeah. is for us to talk about our lives <laughs> as millennials. But yes, yeah, so when I, was, when I was on drill team, which I did when I was an elementary schooler, and then when I was a cheerleader, which I did um, when I was in junior high in my rural town, you, I mean, you toilet papered people's things, uh, people's houses. Wait, as an elementary schooler, you toilet papered people's houses? Peewee football, yeah. That means that parents were involved. Right, parents are totally involved. Oh and my like, gosh. That's the thing. So parents this knew. This is crazy to me. Yes, so parents knew, and then they knew that you were coming over, but they, you know, like, it was arranged by the parents. It was all, like, very... It it's like a play date, but you're TPing. Yes, so it was a play date, but you're TPing. But the thing is, is you you wouldn't ever do it when it was about to rain. That's like goes again because the whole thing is like it. They have to clean it up, and you know that that it's just it's very rude and against TP protocol to TP before it rains. I like the idea that you would like the parents would call up the parents of like the house that was getting TP'd, so they like had advanced warning. Yeah, that is so insane. To and me. It, it's honestly so it is very very orchestrated. It's very much being like. Hi, little athletes. Like, here, pretend like you're a grown-up athlete. Like, do this thing that high schoolers do. I mean, I was seven, you know? so insane. And it was modeled for me. And so, I I don't know. Wow, teaching young. I guess we should dive into the show. (laughs) Yeah, so we watched the pilot, obviously. It aired originally October 3rd, 2006, which was my freshman year of high school. I guess that was my sophomore year of high school. Right, so... Um, I had just moved to a new high school when this was happening, wow. and I remember one of my new classmates was talking about being in the background shot of the show, and since he was a new classmate, I don't know if he was lying to me. <laughs> That's real. So we open up, as Jeff disclosed, to talking, listening to the local radio station, and then I just want to read a verbatim quote that I wrote, I mean, quote, a verbatim thought that I had as I was watching the show. Okay. So I watched the show on a big screen and then I was taking notes on my computer and this note happens within the first minute of the show it says cute boy comes out and is like hello I'm the cutest and I take care of my older female relative who happens to be his grandma which makes me love him even more because I was also raised by my grandmother so I was like I think that's his grandma because that is the most sexist thing but I'm not sure older female relative and I've been told this boy is Matt Saracen and that I will continue to have a crush on him oh he is so adorable and he just has this kind of like this is gonna sound overly simplistic but he has like an aw shucks kind of mentality surrounding him and that he to me is one of the most honest characters and that he 
stuff goes wrong for him eventually at points. I mean, it's already clearly a rough beginning when you're seeing that he's taking care of his grandmother, living with his grandmother. There's no other parent or guardian in sight. So you're like, wow, he has that kind of working against him. But other moments come up that he struggles through, but still, oh, I just love him dearly. He's just so, so, just so nice and wholesome. Yes. Yeah, he's great. Okay, sorry, I cut into that because then there's a valuable... I think it was valuable because I didn't know that she was his grandmother until you told me. So yeah, I, I don't that was think kind of a spoiler. Yeah, I think it's implied. I also just love that scene. I'm gonna like talk about this cinema cinematographically, which isn't a word, but um, but I love that scene because you see like this building of him, like he's just like fixing a sandwich, and then it pans, the camera pans, and you see a whole like tub of medicine pills that the grandmother presumably is taking and then you see the grandmother like tapping her foot on the ground and for whatever reason this is also me possibly reading into things after seeing two and a, two plus seasons of the show but it kind of suggests kind of this like monotony of her life but yet she seems very happy and content and I really love that and there's that moment where she's like well I only want one sandwich and he's made two for her which is like very generous I guess and then He says, well, I'll just have one when I get back from practice. And she, like, points at him and says, yes, you'll definitely... Something along the lines of, like, you'll be hungry after that. Like, she really gets enjoyment out of the fact that he's, like, a teenager in high school, like, living his dreams, I thought, which was really touching. No, I really liked that, too. And that was very real to me as well. Yeah. I actually felt very... Like, not that I've even lived that remotely, but I felt that is a character that was believable to me. Mm -hmm. And then we shift to, I call him the stringy cute boy. I know he's the one that I'm supposed to think is cute, but I he's don't really... He's a bit really, muscular. He's the Prince of Persia? No, he's not. He's in another movie. Tim Riggins is his name on the show. Riggins. Yeah. Was, was it, he, was, he became like an action star, correct? He's not no the Prince idea. of Persia. I'm pretty sure that's Jake Gyllenhaal, who is... Five feet eleven. Right. Um, important. Watch, important. Watch mystery show. Guys. Must watch mystery show. So he's in some sort of action movie that he's in Battleship. That X Men Origins Wolverine. No. Lone Survivor. John I think Carter. It's John Carter. What's it's, John Carter? Twenty twelve. All I know is it's a. I think it's a movie based on a video game. Oh, that definitely is him. Look at him. He looks like a. He looks like a centaur or something. Right. So this person is someone that I'm supposed to care about. So I've been told mostly from Mae Whitman, who is an actress on Parenthood and also who I consider to be my soul sister. She has a huge crush on Tim Riggins and is constantly posting pictures of her crush on Instagram. May should come on the show. May, oh, May, baby May, you are my favorite human being. I loved State of Grace. Really far callback, but I loved it. I know you're not going to ever see me, ever. But she could call him. We could make that happen. Yeah, we can tweet at her. You know, we'll see. I mean, I feel like me... My feelings about Mae Whitman are very similar to Mae's feelings about Tim Riggins, which I just think is funny because Mae's a real person and she has these feelings about this fictional character. But I I think Mae is a great character on her own as a human. But anyways, so I know that he's someone that is is people find very attractive, but I just found him kind of be like a stringy alcoholic, which is is very much how they present him. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very accurate. I like that he's, he to me is not necessarily as believable as Matt Saracen as a character because I just, 
you don't necessarily know all of this in the first episode, so maybe I'm spoiling things a little bit, but there's a lot of hint that there's not a lot of parental involvement in that mm-hmm. household, that there's this, like, person who you find out is his brother who's taking care of him, but really taking care of him and allowing him to be, like, a drunk mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, doing him. And I believe they don't really say this, but he's a sophomore, I'm pretty sure. And I would have guessed that he's a senior if I were to right. see that clip. Just the whole, like, him drinking, like, when is that allowed? People, like, the, the fact that he doesn't really seem like he cares about showing up to even practice, mm-hmm. but he doesn't definitely care about school. I mean, people like that exist for sure, and I very much came in contact with those people in high school. But, yeah, that saddens me from, like, a character perspective, but it's also, like, you need someone like that in the show, mm-hmm. so I totally get it. Yeah, definitely. And it's also where we meet another character that you really oh, like. my but favorite, but I won't spoil anything for you guys. Spoil, but Tyra Collette. From first impressions, it seemed like she. you're also supposed to have some preconceived notions of her, kind of as I do about Tim Riggins, which I'm sure he becomes much more likable because so many people like him. But I think Tyra probably is similar. I, I totally agree. I think Tyra comes off as that kind of... I don't know if you say popular girl because she kind of rails against a lot of the norms of popularity, but she's definitely a very sexualized character and is unafraid to like use that to her advantage is what I would say in this first episode. And that is a very one dimensional perspective of her as a character. And I hope you all grow to love her because in a few short weeks, I grew to love her so deeply. She is probably i would i am actually going to go on the record and say i think she's the most complex character on friday night lights whoa yeah that I is really, a big so much happens stamp. so guys like just pay attention to tyra she is worth your time okay i'm interested Good. to see what happens so another thing i was confused by is just how many characters we're introduced so to we're just introduced to so many characters even in the first 10 minutes that it's really hard for me to tell who I'm supposed to like, who I'm not supposed to like, which is why I'm taking these clues on Tim Riggins and Tyra. You're, you're clearly not supposed to want them to be the characters that you root for, at least in this first episode. And I'm hoping eventually that we'll be able to love every character, which Jeff seems to think I'll uh, love Tyra yes, eventually. Hopefully. Um, and I, I didn't hate her, but I'm hoping that, like Parenthood, it'll just eliminate the faults and the positives that each person inherently has in them. So I'm excited to get to there, and I know I'll like the show once we get there, but honestly, this was just so overwhelming of a first episode. Agreed. And I think the the good thing to know if you're in the same kind of headspace that Bria is in right now, if this is your first time watching the show, is that amazingly, now watching two seasons of the show you in those two seasons get close to basically every single one of the main characters that was addressed and it's hard to know who's main character but basically all the people we've mentioned so far tim and landry and matt and tyra and julie and coach taylor and tammy taylor and we haven't even mentioned buddy garrity who is lila garrity lila garrity for example and um, and lila's father buddy garrity who owns the the local car dealership that is opening it I would imagine the car dealership has been there actually for a while. They just were opening a new showroom was my was my right. my guess. But anyways, those are all like, and it's crazy. That's a long list of characters that all have really dynamic storylines over the course of two seasons. And I actually think that's a real testament to the writers of the show that they all feel very much like their own people. And they'll each take back seats at different points, but they all have a strong story to tell, which I really love. And I think that you may not like them all, but you'll connect with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to explore that. Yeah. So you just mentioned the car dealership yes. that 
Lila's father. Buddy Garrity, which See, I don't even know what his, like, is that his real name? I mean, the... it might be. So car dealerships, I think, are very, very big in Texas, mostly because everyone drives, right? You don't really have suitable public transportation. But the car dealerships are often major sponsors to the local athletics teams. And is that something that you experienced in Boston? Not Suburbs at, of Boston? Not at all. And I was, I don't even, when you were asking the question... I don't even know who's sponsored. Actually, wait, wait, this is so funny. I'm going to retract this a slight bit because I was thinking who did sponsor the teams. I don't know if it was even sponsored by anybody, but then I remembered Rodman Ford. So there so was. So I was by just, <laughs> So they're funny. You told me no, and then you were yeah, I just, how, how did that not come to me? It's really funny. I went to this, I went to high school. One of the people in my grade, her family owned this car dealership that was in Foxborough, next to actually Foxborough Stadium, where the Patriots play. That's not an important aside at all. But yeah, they were from Canton and sponsored a lot of stuff. And I think it was more, it was less, I think you might have a, like when you're talking about everyone driving a car and everyone needing a car, that was definitely the case where I grew up. But I think, I think the reason that they sponsored it was because they were like, you know, people who have done well in the town and want to keep supporting the town. So is that the reason why car dealerships you feel like are sponsoring, you know, football from where you were? Was it like they had, you know, done well by members of the community and wanted to give back? No. Yeah. And they definitely, I I definitely think it is a sense of giving back, but it's also to be seen as giving back and being Mm -hmm. part of that community. So that community members will seek them out over other car dealerships, especially in high school where you're, in the process of buying a car either for your child or for yourself to give another car to your child. I think it's honestly the smartest marketing thing that any car dealership could have ever done. Okay, so going back to the show, because you're not interested in our lives, but that's what we're here to talk about, because Friday Night Lights makes you think of your own life, right? right? And, and and remember things from football, or from football and high school, I mean, that I never honestly thought I was going to think about again. Right. Rodman Ford never <laughs> thought I was going to think of that again. Anyways. Oh my gosh, I feel like we should tweet at them. And I'm, yeah, I will. I, I think will. that's something that should happen, if they even have a Twitter. Oh, I'm um, sure they do. They're very savvy. Oh, Okay. So going back to like the community aspect, the football team has the peewee football, also the flag football or the pop pop Warner pop Warner football. Which is that someone's name? Is it's just I don't know. I think okay. it's just pop Warner. That's interesting. So these three different types of young people football, baby football, where, ba- baby football, where they come and they learn from the high school football players, and it's honestly just a day that you're with your mentors, kind of you. You see what your life could be. It's very much career modeling, but high school career modeling. So I guess this is where the high school career actually comes into uh, play. And then you also have the young girls who are with the cheerleaders and practicing cheers. And that was something that also happened in my town. And I was just really happy that they documented that because I think that's a thing that kids really value. Did you value it? I did not. Um <laughs> But that's because I was already a cheerleader, right? No, I'm just kidding. Whoa. I was on the drill team when I was seven years old. So, yes, I could see it being valuable, but honestly, it's just another booster for them. You have to pay to participate in these day camps. Oh. And so, I mean, maybe not all schools, but it's, oh, you know, you pay, you get a t-shirt. But it's, yeah, one of the things that happens is there's a little tyke who they're talking to Jason Street, and he's like, Jason Street, Mr. Street, do you think you'll be as good as Troy Aikman one day? And my heart was just 
pounding because Troy Aikman is my first crush of all time. Like I just love that your first crush of all time is a football star. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I'm trying to think of my first crush of all time. Ooh, you might have to think about it for a while. Oh, yeah. I think I only know because I have pictures of me wearing t-shirts when I'm like two, three years old <laughs> that have Troy Aikman on them running because... The, so I was two or three years old during the Cowboys doing extremely well in Super Bowls. And I had my face painted, like, silver and blue. And I just loved Troy Aikman. And I still love Troy Aikman. He's, like, the MC of sports now for Fox. And... And... And And the MC of, like, Dunkin' Donuts. So, like, Troy Aikman brought Dunkin' Donuts to the North Texas area. Um, Which I think is probably the best piece of trivia I've ever learned from Brie. I was just... I also, mind you, should tell tell the listeners out there that I am from Dunkin' Donuts' home turf. Dunkin' Donuts' headquarters are in the town that I grew up in. So, I grew up in a town where, like... I didn't even... There were five Dunkin' Donuts for 20,000 people. Maybe there's more I haven't checked recently. Probably more. There probably are more. So when was your first Dunkin' Donuts experience? So I actually had my first Dunkin' Donuts experience when I went to college in Chicago. Mm. In Evanston? In Ev- maybe the airport. Oh, um, you were like, I'm here. I I'm need here. to experience I need Dunkin'. to try this. Because my culotta will not wait any longer. Right, but I didn't know what a culotta was oh because I didn't get Dunkin' Donuts advertisements. It's not like with Sonic where you still get the ads even yeah. if you don't have a Sonic. <laughs> But Troy Aikman and Jerry Jones. Bless his heart. But Troy Aikman, bless his heart, that is true. Tim Taylor says that all the time, by the way, going forward. It's real. That's a thing that people tell you all the time. But Troy Aikman brought Dunkin' Donuts to the Dallas area. Praise Troy. He's like the only God I believe in, the football God. But he brought Dunkin' Donuts to us in 2012, and he's trying to get us to have Dunkin' Donuts everywhere um, in North Texas. So I think we're getting close to our time, so we're going to jump into this football game. The game is not, yeah, exciting, except I think it's actually beautifully filmed, I would say, from a way that as someone who, like, loves visually interesting things, I was engaged. They do a lot of crowd shots, They do a lot of crowd shots. But then at the end, towards the end, they're, you know... Jason Street, this amazing quarterback, throws this long pass that gets intercepted, and no one is in the backfield to tackle this opposing team player. I'm really impressed with how I just sounded like... You sound very football. I know football. So then Jason Street tackles this guy on the opposing team, and he does it with, like, a low hit, and meaning with his head down, I think, and then he's on the field... And it's just like this crushing moment. And I actually remember the first time watching this pilot. So that was, you know, all of three or four weeks ago. It was really impactful to me. I was like, whoa, they did so... This is like such a big pilot. Like, you're hitting us with this big bang of something happening. And nothing's really said. You know, we leave the episode not really knowing. You see all these montage photo or video of, you know, him getting operated on. But we don't know what the end result is. We'll find out in future episodes but it does it seems like his career is definitely altered from this one moment and it is kind of crazy to think how that can happen well he's definitely i'm assuming he's a senior am i I, so i mean any sort of major injury like this you're definitely out for the rest of the season and probably if you're a senior you're definitely out of college consideration he was being approached his family is being approached by notre dame notre dame Uh, (laughs) notre dame (laughs) notre dame I also used to say it like that because there was a Catholic girls' school in our area that was called Notre Dame. But, but it's yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Because we are in America. America. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so all of that's out the window. Like everything that he, 
I mean, his football was very much his high school career, and he was probably that was going to be the rest of his life, and so that's all completely out, completely out of the window. So I'm interested in seeing how we explore that. So yeah, so they have these shots of him getting surgery. Where it's on, um, you said it reminded you of Grey's Anatomy. Totally, I really think. There are those scenes where at the end of an episode where so much is happening, they're pulling all these things together. And so this you're seeing two storylines at once. You're seeing Matt Saracen take the field for the first time and be, at first, really terrible and then remarkably successful, which was awesome and cool, and I really enjoyed watching that. But then you're also... That is being muted. The excitement, I think, is being very clearly muted by the fact that Jason Street is, like, getting his helmet, like, sawed off Mm -hmm. and his shirt cut open. And that was really impactful to me because that is, like, his identity is getting pulled off of him. And that's really beautiful, Jack. It's like you created the show. And I also then you see him getting surgery, which is always weird on television. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what they were doing, but they were doing something to his back. Clearly, Mm -hmm. he was face down. And that kind of happening at the same time was really fascinating to me and then you have this voiceover from coach taylor where he talks about being tested to our very souls which is like whoa what does that even Mm -hmm. mean and that whole monologue that he had towards the end felt very meredith gray at the end of Grey's anatomy to me so i felt this very like it stylistically felt that way but i don't think that happens in future episodes as an ending i think the ending's they always end well. I love the way they like they either have cliffhangers or they're like, you know, they just end you with a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. But they don't have a voiceover, I don't think. Yeah. I think we're on to the end where we talk about how many bulbs we give the episode yeah, because it's called Friday Night Lights and those are composed of light bulbs. <laughs> so dis- and it's out of five. It's out of five, correct. So I give it three bulbs out of five because I've watched the pilot twice and have never progressed. But you're going to. Now. I'm going to. You are. Jeff has decided. So committed. <gasps> I think that's you? totally fair. I'm going to give it three point five. Okay. I, I think almost explicitly because I love that opening sequence so much with the talk radio and introducing you to the town, and I felt. It's so hard for a show to introduce you to so many characters. Granted, I think you can leave the pilot episode being very confused by that. Uh, who, who's who and why are they on the show? But I liked how they initially introduced us to a number of the main characters mm-hmm. in their own homes and in a way that felt so personal. And I felt like I didn't have to hear them say anything, but I knew a lot about them from the beginning. Next week, we'll be back talking about Season 1, Episode 2 of Friday Night Lights. It's entitled... Eyes wide open. I'm assuming that refers to Jason Street opening his eyes on a surgery table. <laughs> but we will find out. We will discuss. We were very ambitious and decided to already get a website and a Twitter and an email. So please reach out to us there. Our website is www.fridaynightlives.com. So that's lives, L-I-V-E-S. And then our Twitter is... Is at FNLpod, just P-O-D. And then we also have a Gmail. Send us all your letters. It's Friday Night Lives Podcast. I know it's long. At gmail.com. So it's it's Friday Night Lives Podcast at gmail.com. It's not Friday Night Lives Podcast. We know <laughs> it's, it's long. long. <laughs> at gmail.com. But we should also get that. Yeah, yeah. I think we should. They have unlimited characters, unlike Twitter. Unlike Twitter, who were against our full podcast name. Because it's just too long. <sighs> <It's> anyway. Twitter. <laughs> 
But yeah, we would really like to hear your feedback on this. What worked for you? What didn't work? What do you think we should include in future episodes? Do you do you like this? <laughs> Are you going to keep listening? Do you think Troy Aikman is the MC of sports? Let yeah. us know. And the MC of Dunkin' Donuts. He's the true MC of everything. <laughs>